Welcome to Nairobi Chapel and Bakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 33. My prayer, even as we continue in this sermon series, as we finish today, is that you will understand the seriousness of the vows of marriage. Young, single people, I know you're looking at me wondering, boss, to Jehovah. Of that, I'll tell you, if it is your heart's desire, may the Lord guide you through what you're talking about. The enemy is so against this institution. And so if you take whatever you're talking about here seriously, maybe, just maybe, your marriage will be helped in the future. Ephesians 5, 15, 33, I'll read. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit of God, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Verse 20. Always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. His body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Verse 28, in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Verse 33, however, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Today we finish the sermon series with according to God's holy law. That's the last bit of the vows. According to God's holy law. To answer with I take thee, to kinda through the issues, we talked about to love and to cherish. Now is the summary of all of that is according to God's holy law. The vows are finishing by telling us that all the elements of the vows are according to the very laws of God. What have these vows got to do with the laws of God? I read an article where a group of children asked this simple question. Or a group, a couple of questions. Not a simple question, but a couple of questions. And the topic was marriage. Question number one, it was a group of 15 children, very young, you can imagine. 
and they were speaking from the heart. You know, one of the things I love about children is mm, they, it's very hard for them to lie a bit early in, the, in, in their life. Question one was this. What do most people do on a date? Hey, Martin and Alisema, on the first date, they just tell each other lies, and that usually gets them interested enough to go on a second date. Then Martin Alisema. Question number two. When is it okay to kiss someone? Remember, we're asking what kids. We're not asking adults. Kids. How Alisema, the rule goes like this. If you kiss someone, then you should marry them and have kids with them. It is the right thing to do. These are kids. Eh? Palm age seven and seven, when asked, when is it okay to kiss someone? When they are rich. That is when you kiss them. You are total, no judgment. Question number three, when is the right age to get married? Kids are being asked. Freddy and Sema, this is not me, this is Freddy age six. No age is good to get married. You have to be a fool to get married. You only Freddy and Sema, see Mimi, age six. Question four, how do you decide who to marry? That's a good question. Question and Sema, age 10, no one really decides before they grow up. God decides it all the way beforehand, and you get to find out later who you're stuck with. So for the married, just turn to them and say, I'm stuck with you. And when we are too open, I'm stuck God <laughs> Question five, how would you make a marriage work? Good question, how would you make a marriage work? Ricky H. Tenalisema, tell your wife she looks pretty, even if it looks like a trap. Question six. How can a stranger tell if two people are married? Derek, age eight, said, you might have to guess based on whether they are yelling at the same group of kids. That's when you tell if they're married. Question seven. Is it better to be single or to be married? Anita, age nine, said, it is better for, for girls to, to be single. But not for boys. <laughs> boys need someone to clean up after them. Yeah, I don't agree with it. But these are kids. In the eyes of children, marriage, marriage looks hey, hey. Marriage is very different from what you and I know. I kid you not, if you ask your kids today whether they think you're married or you're married, the answers they will give you will shock you. I remember my daughter telling me one day, asking me a very strong question. And he's a dad. Smash. Hey, here we go. Akaliza, you and mommy are married. No, yes. Akasima, so me, I've decided I want to marry my brother Zanda. Akamia, <laughs> no, you don't react. You don't overreact. Just ask the question. Akamiliza, why? why? Why do you say your brother? Akasima, because we sleep in the same room. Akasima, okay. You and mommy sleep in the same room. So because me and my brother sleep in the same room, see, me and Marie, uh, little mommy, you know. We sleep in the same room because you're your parents. Oh, so you're not brother and sister, little mommy, you know, you know. Your kids, what your kids see, I dare you today, go ask them. The answers you'll have, hmm. if they don't give you shivers, Taniyamisha. Adults today also define marriage in many various ways. Adults 
the definitions we have. Hey, I read an article by the Daily Nation on the 4th of November. This is last year. 4th of November, Simbali. This is three, four months ago. The article said the following. The modern institution of marriage is evolving rapidly. An evolution that has gone way beyond polygamy. It now includes arrangements such as spouse swapping, polyandry, <laughs> and no string attached sexual transactions, in which married men and women pay for sex outside their marriages. In September last year, Kevin and Christopher from one of our counties casually swapped their wives, Lillian and Millicent. They also signed a joint parental responsibility agreement before the county director of child services to ensure that the five children they had between them continue to get proper parental care. They signed an agreement. Their village elder went as far as to announce that the community will not attempt to separate the new couples. He said this, we shall not go against the decision. It is their lives after all. They are mature and know what they are doing. This is happening right here in our country. The advent, the article continues to say, of modernity and sexual liberation is also changing the format of marriage. Take polyandry, for example, which involves one man marrying or living under one roof with, sorry, one woman marrying or living under one roof with two men. 36-year-old Ryle from one of our counties right here in Kenya is one of the few Kenyan women who have publicly declared being in a polyandrous marriage. She's married to two men, both of whom are, get this, aware, hey, and contented with the agreement. She married the first husband in 1992, then married the second years later. At the time, she had seven children. The article continues to say Kenyan law has gone as far as defining marriage as either a monogamous union of a man and a woman or a polygamous union of a man and women. That's our law. In October 2015, the High Court ruled that men must not be allowed to register a polygamous marriage without what? Let me see if you can guess. Monajua. <laughs> From this article, Actually, let me just go back a little bit. The globalization of marriage through technology has further given rise to lifestyles such as open relationships that promote swinging within marriage. That goes on and on, but that is the state of how we define marriage in our country. From this article, what can then be seen happening in our society is the following. Joseph Orinde, a sociologist and psychologist, says that social behavior is evolving and becoming more and more permissive. And this evolution is challenging sexual interactions and marital models that were previously considered taboo. We are changing with the times. Christina, a consultant, consultant sociologist, right here in Nairobi, says that cultures and traditions that practice ills like wife inheritance will allow for swapping of wives, which will not seem so strange or out of place. She says that these cultural practices make it easy for the general community to accept such incidents as much as they must be, might be frowned upon or discouraged by the law. They are becoming very accepting 
of the changes that are happening in our society. Professor Catherine Gashuda, a psychologist and the director of the Kenyan, Kenya Institute of Business and Counseling Studies, say, says that the changing phase of marriage might leave the institution at a weakened and less desirable position in the future. She says that Kenyans are moving away from the conservative, mainly due to certain influences that are being ingrained and love for these liberal marital freedoms. She singles out individualism as opposed to communalism and globalization of social practice and behaviors are some of the key things causing the concept of marriage to change in our country. It is changing, guys, quickly, swiftly. Love is now not enough, number four, to sustain marriages in our society. That's happening. The ability to enter into marriage and sustain it and the trajectory that the marriage takes thereafter largely depends on the financial situation of the partners involved. A friend of mine once told me that after the first date, the requirements of the second date were the bank statement and family status. And I'm being very serious. <laughs> Where the degree to which marriage is being used as a bridge to monetary gain has crowded out other marital priorities such as communication, conflict resolution, and intimacy. Over half of all Kenyan youth number five believe that having an on-the-side relationship with richer partners is okay. 65% of Kenyan youth said there's nothing wrong with having a sponsor. While that 5% admitted to having one. That is the state of our nation. That is the state. And this was just last year. 36% of Kenyans are not keen into getting to long-term unions, such as marriages. There's no keenness. A 2016 study by Consumer Insight revealed, this is them, 52% of our women will choose a better paying job over marriage. The modern younger generation is less tolerant of marriage. They are more individualistic and egocentric, therefore less likely to commit. This is the state of our nation. It's on the papers. This in turn triggers escapism. Finally, boundaries within dating and marriage have been opened. Now there's no boundaries, which has resulted in poor personal and sexual discipline. That's where we are. This was in the papers. He had just pulled from the paper to the summer. It was written. It is a state of where we are. This is how we define marriage. You know, one of the kids, this is us. The problem with us is we are actually living it. We are right in the thick of that. With all this said, though, let me remind us what marriage really is. What then is marriage? How should we define it? Who should we be listening to when it comes to the very definition of marriage? Open your Bibles to Genesis 2, 18-24. This is, come on, man, the wedding is enough. You must all marry. You have to do it by heart, probably. Genesis 2, 18-24.
Genesis 2, 18, 24, allow me to read. Uh, and the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, verse 19, every fowl of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, to the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper for him. Verse 21, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, and brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife were not ashamed. From the reading, the following is very clear. Number one, God saw it was good that the man should not be alone. He saw, not Adam. Number two, God said he'll make a helper. He said he'll make the helper. Three, God brought the animals to Adam to name them. And I believe to make a choice for the helper, but he found none. Not this one. Kangalia giraffe, meh. Kangalia the monkeys, yeah. Number four. God then made the helper suitable for the man out of his rib. God then made the helper out of the rib. Number five. Man then named the suitable helper woman. It wasn't God that made her. It was man. And for him to be united in one flesh as he was before, he must leave his parents and be joined to her. That Mesoma. This is what the vows are calling according to God's holy law. This is marriage. What we've just read. Marriage is the lawful union of a man, man, muanaume, and a woman, dame, chick, mrembo. Man and woman. Nowadays, you must say that confidently. But according to God's holy law, lawful union between man and woman according to God's holy law. Marriage is not polygamy. It is not wife or husband swapping. It is not polyandry. It is not no strings attached sex. No. Marriage is not an open relationship. Marriage is not a sponsor relationship. Marriage, I'll say it again, the lawful union between a man, lawful union between a man and a woman according to God's holy law. What view do you have of marriage? How do you define it? 
What's your definition of marriage? How do you look at it? The biggest question then is not even what your view is. Do you believe marriage works? In that sense, if, if it's according to God's holy law, then does it work? Really? Is this institution under attack to the point that we should just let it go? As in, let's live our lives, man. You do you, me, do me, boom. In the portion of scripture we've just been reading every week, some profound things are mentioned. Ephesians 5, remember how he started? Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which is the Savior. Christ loved the church and gave himself, himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the word, to present her to himself as a radiant church. Ephesians 5. Without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. To some Ephesians 5, that we are the members of Christ's body. We are his members. This, the man living and cleaving, is a profound mystery. We are told, Apo 31, 32. And then we are told, but he's talking about Paul, Christ and the church. Why is Paul referring so much to Christ and the church in the issue of marriage? The first time I ever read Ephesians, I was thinking, boss, why are you talking about Christ and the church? What's this Christ's body, the church, Jesus, oh, oneness with his body? What is that? It is because the issue of marriage and Christ's redemption of humanity go hand in hand. The issue of marriage and Christ's redemption of humanity they go hand in hand. When Genesis 24 tells us that for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be united with his wife and the two become one flesh. This is exactly what Jesus did for the church. Exactly what he did for the church. It is a picture of the coming Christ in the explanation of what marriage is. It is exactly what he did. You and I have to accept him as Lord of our lives because he left the glory of his Father in heaven in the Trinity of the Holy Spirit and came and died for us so that we'd have a future and a hope. That bit we know. You know that Christ came, he lived among us for 33 and a half years. After that, he died on the cross. He finished it. But this picture and marriage is one and the same thing. Be with me for a second. He has told us in his word, this is Christ, especially in the New Testament, that one day we'll be united again with him in glory after the rapture. It is at this point that I must remind you that if you do not know the Lord, even in your marriage, that ooh, you're in a really bad place. Do you know him? Because if you don't, it's a problem. The staff maybe I'm talking about will be like, eh? do you know the Lord? Let's read First Thessalonians chapter 4. Let me read it. Eh? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 
verse 13 to 18. First Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. One more time, First Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. But I will not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we, we who are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord shall not prevent those who are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven without a shout, with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we shall forever be with the Lord. What we are being reminded of here, guys, is what the writer of the book of Ephesians has been telling us all this month. In the same way a man leaves his father and mother and is joined with his wife as one flesh, is the same way Jesus has told us that he will join with his, with his church at the end of time. What this means then is that God has a very different view of marriage compared to us. Very different. When I was getting married, I just thought, Mrembo, Kwao, Boom Boom, Babies, Life. Hopefully, we will remain together for the longest time. That is what I thought. What we are being told is God's idea of marriage, his definition, is very different from ours. Ray Otland of the Gospel Coalition and pastor of the Emmanuel Church said the following. Allow me to quote him. God loved us from the beginning of time when he created us. And he said that he had created what he had created was really good. Remember? In the creation story, when he made you, he said, Ooh, good job. I like what I'm seeing. He chose us and then gave himself up for us to redeem us from eternal damnation. He will present us someday in splendor as his glorious church. We are then united with Christ now and forever. Therefore, our union with Christ is the reason why a man and a woman get married and live united as one flesh. Our marriages are miniature social platforms on which the gospel is to be displayed. When they look at your marriage, when we look at your marriage, we should see the story of Jesus. We should see it. Husbands love them as Christ loved the church. Wives submit as you submit to the Lord. You should be a picture of what Christ is all about. The main reason, he says, why men and women fall in love and get married is because the whole human story is most deeply a romance coming down from above. A romance coming down from above. Marriage is not a flesh issue. It is a gospel issue. Marriage is not, allow me to say, not just a flesh issue. It is mainly a gospel issue. 
That is why clarity about it, its definition should matter to us Christians. The definition of marriage, especially to us believers, should really matter. If we depart from or fail to stand up for the biblical view of marriage, we are taking a step away from the gospel itself. If you're not defining your marriage by the Lord, you're almost saying, I don't believe in this Christ you're saying is God. Think about that for a second. The whole Bible is the story of the marital love of God. Our whole lives are that, is that story. I hope we have eyes to see that. Marriage is more than human romance, he says. Wonderful as that is, it is more than close friendship. Wonderful as that is. Marriage is a display of Christ and his bride in love together. A beautiful, tender, thriving marriage makes the gospel visible on earth. When your marriage is portraying the love of Christ, the world see and maybe just see the Lord. It brings hope to people who have given up believing there could be any love anywhere for them. That is why biblical marriage deserves our courageous loyalty and articulate defense today. We must stand up for it in the Lord. Its true meaning is understood and embodied and sustained only by the power of the gospel. Not just date nights, not money in the bank, but the power of the gospel. How are you defining your marriage today? We can't turn the clock back to the days of the Christian social consensus our nation is throwing away. But we who say we believe the gospel must stand up for the biblical definition of marriage. We must. We must cultivate beautiful marriages ourselves. We must suffer social and legal penalties bravely. We must pray for this revival. For our fellow believers to see the message of the gospel of Jesus as marriage. We must wait for the inevitable collapse of every false view of marriage. What is your false view of marriage today? Even the one that you're in. How are you defining it? Are you defining it just by the good times? Or just by the families that came together? How are you defining marriage? How have you defined it all your life? We must lovingly serve all who suffer for their attempts at false marriages. And we must go to church and worship the living God with all our hearts so that we ourselves are sustained for the faithfulness over the long haul. Because like you all know and have read and have seen, this journey is not easy. It is not. Guys, what is your definition of marriage? How are you defining it? How were you informed of it? Do you even believe in the Jesus that is the reason for marriage? Marriage is a picture of what he did on the cross. He left his father, came and looked for the bride, found the bride, died for the bride, went back to his father, 
awaiting a time they'll be joined as one. Same thing we do every single time we get married. Do you believe in that Jesus? Even in your marriage, do you believe in the Jesus that he is the reason for the marriage? I urge you to know him. Find this Christ. You might have gotten together and did not know him. That's fine. He's allowed for that. But from this point forward, what will be excuse of saying I still don't know him even in my marriage? Because if you don't know him, then understanding the very definition of marriage will be a problem. What is the definition of marriage today? I urge you to follow his example, the Lord's example of commitment. He is example of tenacity, long-suffering. Remember on his way to the cross, he endured, the book of Hebrews tells us, on his way to the cross. Are you enduring? This we talked about last week. His example of patience. That is marriage, guys. Young people, if you want to get into marriage, that is marriage. That, not just the Range Rovers and the helicopters. No, no. Marriage is Jesus Christ and his story. The more you follow the example of Jesus in your marriage, the more your marriage exemplifies the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the definition of marriage. And the more you do that, I kid you not, the more your marriage will work. You know that hashtag marriage works? Yeah, it's in the Lord. See on a rainbow pekiake. Define marriage according to God's holy law. From this day forward, I know we've been defining it in many different ways, but define it according to his law. Because that is where it came from. Join us every Sunday from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at Rubani House on Shriji Road off Airport North Road.